Uh, we are going to be continuing in Ephesians, and if you have your copy of the scriptures, I invite you to, to open them. We are going to be in chapter 1, uh, continuing in, looking at verses 3 through 14, and uh, as we learn what it is that God has for us. There's a question that lots of us get answer, asked, um, and I'm asking it a lot in these last uh, week and a half of being here, is that I will come up to you and say, what is your name? Who are you? And lots of times I'll be very honest, I will ask your name and you will walk away and I will promptly forget your name. Uh, only because I'm learning the names of hundreds of people. And I'm trying to uh, do the best to remember faces and names. And if I ask you again, please uh, show a little mercy and uh, just give me your name again. Names are very important to us. They say who we are. But often we are satisfied with just asking a person's name. Very seldom do we say, uh, how are you? And listen with intent. How, sometimes we don't go as far as to say, tell me about your family or tell me about your work. We just ask the person's name, and that's enough for us. We don't ask who you are. We ask just what your name is. Very seldom do we go any deeper into that. And one question that we usually don't ask anyone because it makes them feel incredibly... Um, nervous, is if you walk up to an individual and you say to them, how much are you worth? I mean, what do you got in the bank? For the farmers here, how big is your farm? If we were to cash out today, what could we get? And as a pastor, we would always ask, would you tithe 10% of it? But how much are you worth? It's a question that is not proper to ask. I was thinking about worth this week as we look into God's scripture in a moment about what we are worth in Christ. And it made me think about, I wonder who right now is the richest man in the world. Any idea? Who, who do you say? Batman? Cool guy, awesome dude, not the richest. Someone else got a guess? Jeff Bezos. There you go, good old Jeff. Uh, the guy who is the CEO, founder of Amazon. He's worth, now write this down maybe, for your dreams. He's worth $113 billion. $113 billion. You know, you could spend $100,000 a day and it would take you 3,000 years to spend $113 billion. I would love the opportunity of spending $100,000 a day just for a week. Just for a week. I don't need the 3,000 years. And you can imagine, now I know the interest rates are really low, but a guy with that kind of worth can, get, can invest in good things. Let's just say he gets... 2% return on his money in the course of a year. He gets about $2 billion just for doing nothing. Does anybody here think that that's incredibly unfair? 
that we should be able to share the wealth as it was? I wonder what his tax bill looks like. It is overwhelming when you think of that person having that kind of money, and there are over 2,000 billionaires in the world today. Any present? Okay. I wanted to learn your name. <laughs> but I'm here to share with you this morning that you are worth more than Jeff Bezos. You have something that, well, I don't know if he has. You have eternal worth. Listen what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Praise be to God and our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with ever spiritual blessing. For he chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for an adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to, be, to bring to unity all the things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. For you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Pray with me for a second. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reality that there is life in your word. Today, Lord, as we look into your word, as we dive into it, help us to see our eternal worth that you have lavished upon us. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our eyes that we would see. Open our hearts that we would believe. Open our minds that we would know the truth of your word. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior and our coming King, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, who are we as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who are called out in Him? And in fact, in Paul, in this short verses, chapter, or verses 3 through 14, he uses that phrase in Christ, of Christ, with Christ, by Christ, through Christ, over 11 times. We have to realize first off, right from the start, that who we are is in Christ. It's because of what Christ has done for us. It's because of the finished work upon the cross, because of our salvation that we can experience 
we can experience all the blessings that God has for us. And let us look at some of those blessings. In verse 3, we read that he blessed us. He blessed us with all the riches in the heavenly realms. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. That heavenly realms talks about the place where Christ rules. His kingdom. All of our riches come out of that which is kingdom. Out of the spiritual blessings that are in Christ. We have exactly what we need in Christ. Ours is the kingdom shared with us by our Lord. He blessed us. In verses 4 and also again in verses 11, we see that he chose us. We were chosen in him, it says in verse 4, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before God created, and the world, word here, world and creation is cosmos. It talks about not just the planet Earth, but before all things were created, God had a plan to save us. God had a plan to send his son. God had a plan for you to be holy and blameless that was formed in not the creation, but formed in his very nature. We weren't saved just because God didn't choose to make us holy and blameless just because he created us. But before there was any creation, God chose you. You may be here this morning and feel unchosen. God doesn't know you. In fact, the person behind you doesn't know you. You can walk through the foyer of the church and, and just kind of move around like a ghost, as it were, unseen, unchosen. But God sees you. God has chosen us. Verse 5 tells us that he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and good will, to the praise of his glorious grace, God's will for you was to be adopted into his family. Not just to save you, to make, his, make you part of the kingdom, but have you share in the riches that belong to Jesus Christ. You were adopted into God's family. And it was his good pleasure his will to do so. And adopting you brings praise and glory to him. He blessed us, he chose us, he predestined us. Verse seven tells us we are redeemed through the blood of Jesus, which we sang about today. We are redeemed, we are saved, we are bought back from a sinful place in the world that God brings us back to himself. He sent Jesus Christ to be our sacrifice, to stand in our place, to take the wrath that was destined for us upon himself, and that we can know life eternal because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. That's the gospel. That's good news. 
You are redeemed because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. He gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you. He took upon himself your sins and paid the price. Verse 7 also tells us that we are forgiven. Not only are we redeemed, but our sins are forgiven. The Bible doesn't put any parameters on forgiveness, and I am very thankful for that. How terrible it would be if God says, I forgive this sin, but not this one. I forgive the sin that you did yesterday, but not the sin you did a month ago. And I surely don't forgive those sins that are coming. No, Jesus Christ has died for us, and all of our sins are forgiven. He holds nothing over us. They are buried in the deepest sea. They are removed as far as the east is from the west. So far, our sins have been removed for us. How great is our forgiveness. I hope deep inside you're saying amen to that. You possess what most of the world do not possess. The forgiveness of your sins. Redeemed by the blood of Christ. Blessed, chosen, predestined, redeemed, forgiven. And he has made known to us, in verse 9, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure again, which he purposed in Christ. Verse 10, to put into effect when all the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Now, when something in the Bible is a mystery, it is different than when we think of mystery. We think of something that is unknowable. It is a mystery. The mystery in the scriptures carries with it the idea that it is something that is revealed to us no longer hidden from us. And what is the thing that is no longer hidden from us is that God is going to bring all things together in unity in heaven and in earth under Christ. That's his goal, to bring all things back together under Christ. You see, when God created the heaven and the earth, he created it perfect. And he took Adam and Eve and he placed them in the garden. And they had a beautiful relationship with him and a beautiful relationship with each other. But then sin entered the world and Adam and Eve chose to be their own God. And unity with God was split. And unity God with God has been split ever since. Cain and Abel the Tower of Babel, the world before the flood, brokenness in Abraham's life and Isaiah's life and in David's life, brokenness of Israel that the prophets spoke to over and over again, brokenness in the world that Jesus came to. There has been disunity of brokenness with God, but God's plan is to bring 
all things together in heaven and earth under Christ to, as it were, reestablish the garden where we can walk with God perfect, blameless, holy, not ashamed, not hiding, but in unity under Christ. Verse 13 tells us that we were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. When you come to salvation, when you respond to the word that God gives you and you say, it is true, I believe it, I'm a sinner who needs to be saved by God's lavish grace for me. I believe in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for me. I don't understand it all, but I understand enough that I need Jesus. Here we find the Apostle Paul reminds us that we are included in Christ. The Apostle Paul says it is in Galatians, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And I live within Christ. I am included in him. Someone once said, when God sees us, he sees his son. We are included in him. The church is included in him. He has made known the mystery of his will. He has included us in Christ. And we have, in verse 13 tells us, we have been marked with a seal. God has given us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee of what to come, what is to come. A number of years ago, uh, I told you about my father-in-law last week. He was um, not as rich as Jeff, but he was pretty good. And one day he was telling me, he said, Randall, there is going to be when your mother-in-law and I pass away, there is going to be a sizable inheritance for you, which perked up my ears as a young married guy. And he says, but what I want to do right now is I want to buy you and your, or my daughter, buy you and your wife a home. I want to buy you a new place that will be built. And I want to buy you that to remind you and to show you that there is more coming. So every time I walked into that house, I was reminded of the generosity of my in-laws. But it also reminded me that there is more. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to remind us that there is more. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us pray. It's the Holy Spirit that shows us truth. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us peace when there is no peace. All of that has been given to us as a guarantee of what God is going to do for us in Christ. Now, before we wrap up, there is something important we see beyond all these things that be shared, that we are blessed and chosen and predestined and redeemed and forgiven and included and sealed. 
But all of this has to do with God's glory. It is not just about you, but it is about God. This morning is not about you. It's about God. Even your salvation is not just about you. It's about God. We need to remember that. And Paul, in this portion of his prayer, in this great doxology, he bookends it, reminding us. In verse 3, he says, this is praise be to all God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. It is praise that goes to God because of everything that Paul is going to write after it. And then we come to the end of verse 14 and he says, it's all to the praise of God. We can look in verse 6 and it says, to the praise of his glorious grace. In verse 12, we are reminded that in putting our hope in Christ, it might be to the praise of his glory. Over and over again in the passage here, we are told that it is about God, it is about his praise, it's about his glory. That our salvation is to make us look to him. We are going to come to a day when we come to heaven. And we join the multitudes together, singing glory to our God. Praise and honor to his name. In all the things that God has given us, remember it is about God. God has done these things in verse 5 and 9 and 11. It tells us that God does these things for his will and his pleasure. And we are reminded over and over and over again in this passage that it's about Jesus, that it happens to us. We share in these things. They, we are made glorious, as it were, because we are in Christ. And it would be a mistake for me this morning not to offer you the opportunity to be in Christ. Some of you have come to church for a long time, but you have yet to take that step to say, I want to be in Christ. I want to receive what Christ has for me. I want my sins to forgiven. I want my eternity secure. And so if you haven't made that opportunity to surrender all, as we sang today, I surrender all. If you have not surrendered all to Jesus, I invite you to do that. As we pray in a moment, just to say to God, God, I need salvation. I need forgiveness of my sins. I want to follow Jesus. I want to surrender all. to share those words with the Lord and he will hear and he will respond. And for those of us who are walking with Jesus, we're doing our best to follow the Holy Spirit. 
It not, would not be wasted words and wasted time for you to say with the hymn writer, I surrender all. All over again. I need to do that every day. I surrender all. Because Randall is really good about taking it back. The Apostle Paul says that we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. But the problem with living sacrifices, I think it was D.L. Moody that said the problem with living sacrifices is they have a tendency to crawl off the altar. And that's what we do. We present ourselves to Jesus today. We present ourselves on the altar only to crawl off the altar tomorrow. And Randall lives for himself. So today would be a good day to surrender all. Amen? Let's pray as we close. Lord God, we confess that there is no other God but you. We confess that there is salvation in no other name than in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. We confess that we need you, Jesus. We need to surrender ourselves to you to follow you. to seek your forgiveness, your mercy, your redemption. So gracious God, I pray for those today that have yet to make a decision to surrender all, that you would give them the courage, the grace, the mercy, that you would lavish upon them, that they would respond to your great love, your grace. Lord Jesus, for those of us who have walked a while, who have said yes to you, we say yes again. Help us to surrender all today and tomorrow and the next day, on and on. And thank you for the, all the things that we are in Christ. Thank you that you chose us, that you've blessed us, you redeemed us. You invited us into the life of Christ. And for that, we will give you all the praise and all the glory. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.